history of the medieval tunnels is eerie in itself. Uh, all sorts of sinisters going on. And uh, here at uh, St John's Tower, we have the remains of the sort of portcullis that would have defended the ditch, but also the murder holes up above us, uh, where a defending company would have been able to pour uh, molten sand or boiling water down on the unfortunates down below. Dover Castle, the most iconic of all English fortresses. Its position commanding the shortest sea crossing between England and the continent has given it immense strategic importance. The chalk of Castle Hill has been shaped and reshaped over the centuries into massive earthworks, ditches and mounds. Imposing walls and towers have been raised and networks of tunnels built beneath them. Dover Castle has always been shrouded in extreme mystery and centred on superstition. Every type of occurrence has at some time been reported, from the hearing of odd sounds, sensing strange smells, experiencing repetitive and one-off visions, interactive communicative run-ins, to finally sentient poltergeist activity. Dover is an immensely atmospheric and charged environment, one that can only be properly experienced firsthand. Thousands have called it home, and thousands have met their end there. Gavin Wright is a historic property steward for English Heritage, based at Dover Castle. One of the most famous and certainly one of the oldest stories relating to Dover Castle is that of our drummer boy, our headless drummer boy. And it's a, a story which dates back from the time when Dover was full of soldiers um, because, of course, the threat was Napoleon on the other side of the English Channel. And uh, the town and all the environs and certainly Dover Castle were absolutely awash with uh, soldiers because of our terror of the French. At that time, the story goes... So cruelly and viciously taken was the headless drummer boy, who can sometimes be found wandering the site, steadily beating his drum. Legend has it that the boy was tasked one day with carrying a large sum of money from the castle to the town. A gang of thieves surrounded him in an alley at the bottom of the hill and demanded that he relinquish the small fortune that he carried. The young man trusted with such a valuable task did a brave but ultimately foolish thing. He tried to defend himself. In the ensuing scrap, he was killed with a savage sword stroke to the neck. His head was never found. Some say the boy came from Cork and that he had a mother named Mary whom he misses terribly. Perhaps that's why he still wanders Dover. He's simply looking for his lost mother. If you should ever hear the heavy beat of a military drum echo off the cold stone walls at Dover, keep a watchful eye out. So we're here at Dover Castle and at Peveril's Tower. 
and uh, Peverell's Tower is one of the uh, early 13th century towers in the northwest of the castle site, uh, constructed at the time when they were rethinking the whole of the defences in this part of the castle uh, to make them less vulnerable. Um, and Peverell's Tower is very beautiful, but it also has a slightly unlucky history. Builders who erected Peverell's Tower, Dover's former prison tower, ran into many difficulties, namely that the tower kept collapsing. They were highly superstitious and believed that malevolent spirits were impeding their work. An ancient tradition said that imprisoning a dog within the tower's foundations would appease the spirits, but a kind-hearted local woman objected to the sacrifice, so the builders buried her within the walls alongside the dog, alive. And uh, the story goes, this is a, a summer story. It's not like one of those ghost stories to do with Christmas or New Year or Halloween. This is a summer story. And the story goes that... Uh, on Midsummer's Night, if you happen to be walking down uh, the path towards Peveril's Tower, you'll sometimes see the shadowy figure of an old lady and her large black dog walking through, and occasionally the scratching and howling of the dog as the evening proceeds. So here we are at uh, the medieval tunnels at Dover Castle. Uh, and back in the day, uh, Dover people always used to refer to these as the dungeon, uh, because Dover Castle doesn't really have a dungeon of its own. And uh, uh, it certainly has a, a very eerie uh, dungeon-like quality to it. And uh, halfway down the main slope towards St John's Tower, uh, there's a grid in the floor uh, which drops deep, deep down below. Uh, into a, a space that they always used to think was an oublier, a place where you'd leave people and forget them. Uh, it turns out later on it's a, a passage to one of the 18th century Caponiers, but uh, it's certainly got a tremendous atmosphere. It should come as no surprise that violent paranormal sounds are heard within the walls of the tunnels. They're the only part of Dover to historically have seen combat. The most common sounds are of large doors slamming, where there are no longer doors, and the occasional smell of strong pipeweed tobacco. In the late 1970s, a team of builders working to strengthen the lower levels of the tunnels reported seeing a particularly grim sight, a host of dead bodies lying across the floor of a nondescript room, disappearing as quickly as they appeared. The medieval tunnels uh, date once again from the early period of the 13th century when this part of the castle was all being redesigned um, and they really incorporate sally forth tunnels which were dug to be able to uh, allow a defending force uh, to look out back on someone trying to fire into the castle. Uh, but like lots of parts of Dover Castle, of course, they were heavily modified in the Napoleonic period. In the past, uh, we used to conduct very successful tours of the medieval tunnels, which of course have got a fascinating history. And uh, 
They were uh, very straightforward tours back in the day when no one used any bells or whistles and no effects of any sort. Uh, and a guide was giving a tour when, at the end of it, uh, a very enthusiastic American couple uh, were delighted to come over and say that it had been certainly the best tour that they'd ever had, and uh, they really, really enjoyed it, particularly uh, the sound effects that they'd heard as he'd been uh, rehearsing his narrative, uh, the clanging of the doors, uh, the sound almost as if hundreds of people were rushing past, uh, the ominous uh, knockings on the door. But he had to tell them there were no sound effects. The richest paranormal area of the entire site is the secret wartime tunnels. Originally created in the Napoleonic era, these tunnels were heavily utilised during World War II, and it was here that the Dunkirk evacuation, codenamed Operation Dynamo, was coordinated. One day, a member of staff was closing down the area after a busy day of tours and spotted a figure at the end of the mess room, looking at a photograph of Sir Winston Churchill. Curiously, the figure was described as looking like a real-life camera negative. The figure reportedly spotted the member of staff and immediately took off down the RAF dorm. The staff member, rationalising it to be a stray visitor, shouted to the figure that visiting hours were over. He searched the whole area and could not find anybody. Upon leaving the complex and completing the close down, he inquired as to whether the curators were doing any work down in the tunnels, and the answer was no. Another incident worthy of note involved the sighting of a doctor in a white coat. Whilst doing a tour, a member of staff noticed an attentive visitor had suddenly turned very pale. She asked the lady what was wrong who replied that she had seen an unknown entity in a doctor's uniform, stood directly behind the tour guide, in the doorway leading to the patient preparation room. Again, nobody was found after a search. So maybe with uh, a site like Dover Castle with uh, over 2,000 years of history, it's not surprising there are lots of stories, and some of them are very old. But one of the most modern ones uh, is in connection with the secret wartime tunnels, and it dates from the time when uh, English Heritage first opened up the lower level of the tunnels, uh, the casemate tunnels, as a, an attraction for the public. At that time, the television programme, with Michael Aspel in it, strange but true, some of you will remember, uh, was being broadcast and it was decided to film an episode here at Dover Castle. As part of the television broadcast, um, a medium was employed who was employed to walk around the tunnels and pick up whatever he could. The main thing that uh, he seemed to be able to report on was that as he was going around the lower casemate tunnels, constantly there was a being or a memory or someone who styled himself Sammy, who was looking 
for someone called Helen. So after the television program had been filmed, but well before it was broadcast, uh, a member of staff was working at the desk in the tunnels and uh, a young Japanese student uh, arrived at the desk, quite agitated, saying, where's Helen? Can we find her? Someone's looking for her. And uh, we didn't have any member of staff who was called Helen, so it all seemed a bit peculiar. And then, time and time again, after the tunnels were opened, people, particularly young women, would come and say that they had heard or felt someone looking and searching for someone called Helen. Years later, we had an event called The Big Draw, which was uh, set up for young children. And part of it was to uh, get children to draw their impressions of Dover Castle on postcards. And uh, when the postcards came back from this class of young children, eight-year-olds, uh, the majority of them were what you would expect. There were portcullises and castles, knights in armour, damsels in distress. There was one, though, that stood out. And instead of a drawing, there was just the child's handwriting. And it said, Where is Helen? Can we find her? He needs her. <laughs> <laughs>